Welcome to This Is Life. Uh, hello, everybody. Yes, it's Friday again, and what a blessing it is to be uh, here uh, around you, and I hope you're having a wonderful day. Uh, I know that right now times are pretty crazy in the world. Um, I really hesitated to even bring up the C word, the coronavirus, because I know that's probably all you're hearing on every TV, every radio, every podcast. Everyone's talking about the coronavirus, and so I and I get it. It's topical. It's 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 alarming. Uh, it's maybe overblown. It may be very serious. No one really kind of knows, and that's kind of what makes it even more scary is that no one really just doesn't know. So I kind of was thinking, you know, how can I address the elephant in the room without really addressing the elephant in the room? Because I'm not a doctor. I'm not. Uh, you know, uh, a epidemist, uh, epidemiolog ep epidemiologist, that word, I'm not that guy. Um, I do, you know, enjoy watching the news. I am, you know, uh, my wife kind of, I have a bad habit of any kind of major breaking news and generally major breaking news is never really good news because, you know, the bleeds it leads. So most news agencies, their headlines are always catastrophes and, and you know, major problems and situations, whether it be shootings or fires or earthquakes or plane crashes or epidemics, you know, pandemics, whatever. Um, so, unfortunately, you know, I, I do watch a lot of, you know, I don't watch, but I mean, I read articles and I, you know, I like to stay up to date. Uh, my wife, however, is on the other side of that. I mean, she's like, yeah, I would need to know if it's important, but honestly, I have enough going on in my life. I don't need to know about all the ails and the, and, and the, the, the problems going on in the world. Uh, regardless of if I am aware of them or not, they're still going to happen. And, and, I, and I get that, you know, understanding. Uh, but for me, uh, I, uh, since I was a kid, since I, as early as I can remember, I've just had this fascination with, with news and current events and what's going on in the world. I mean, I remember, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 40 years old, uh, so I re remember even elections back in the 80s uh when i was you know i remember when i was like say 87 88 so whenever the uh election to uh, elect the first george bush i think it was 88 uh i remember that election pretty well and i was only nine years old at the time um but i remember i had worked all summer that summer to at my grandfather's ranch uh, me and my cousins, you know, that was kind of our thing is we go down there and spend a summer with my grandpa and grandma, and they had a big ranch. And in fact, they raised ostriches, believe it or not, in West Texas. And they used to, it was actually, it was a converted, uh, he used to race horses. And um, when that kind of, you know, it's really, really expensive, obviously, to keep and to raise horses, especially horses that he was using for racing purposes. And so he transferred, you know, basically transformed rather the ranch to an ostrich ranch. And you know, I was young enough to not really know exactly why. I mean, I'm sure that it had to do with, uh, you know, butchering or, you know, for meat or for boots or whatever. Uh, but my grandpa was always kind of like that. He always had uh, just a thing for just exotic animals anyway. <laughs> I mean, I, I growing up at this ranch, I mean, he had ostriches. And everything from ostriches to longhorns to, yeah, zebras even. In fact, there's a funny story. Uh, 
there was a big giant um i was a pin i mean it was a you know it was a large area and the the house sat basically in the on the edge of the ranch and the front door overlooked just the sprawling ranch and you know complex in front of you uh, he was an eye surgeon you know so just for the record uh he he that's where he a lot of his money came from in fact if you ever uh just on a side note if you've ever been blessed by or had somebody known somebody who's been blessed by the lasik surgery you can thank my grandfather. He was one of the ones who actually uh, worked with 3M to create the, the something to do with that LASIK surgery. I don't know all the things that it happened. All I know is he had something to do with it. And so because of that, you know, he was, you know, very blessed because of it. And so he, you know, uh, one of his hobbies was this ranch that had, you know, workers and things like that. Well, anyway, and I'll get to the point of what I'm talking about the ranch. But funny story. A couple of pointy stories, actually. Uh, so he had zebras in the in the in the, uh, the space in the, in the pen, like it's a very large pen. So I don't know any way to put it. The enclosure, okay, we'll call it enclosure, in front of the house. Uh, two zebras, and I, you know, I was like, hey, we ride horses. A zebra is just the cousin of a horse. Why can't we ride a zebra? And my grandpa always had man, he very 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 clever man. He's like, you know what? If you can, if you can, if you can, if you can catch it, you can ride it, knowing full well that my little eight-year-old, nine-year-old body, you know, no matter how fast I thought I was, was going to catch a zebra. Uh, we, me, and my cousins, are. Right, we're gonna try this, you know, and, and we're gonna. We hopped into over the fence, and then immediately thought that was a bad idea and hopped right back out. I did never catch a zebra, so there, coincidentally, I never rode a zebra, but I still remember that. Uh, in fact, it was kind of funny along those same type of lines. My grandpa just knew. I mean, he just, you know, he had a, he had a way of, of giving you hope with, uh, but yet knowing that reality is going to set in. Because I had uh, one summer that I was there. In fact, I think it was the same summer that I'm talking about in '88. Uh, we, I adopted quote unquote one of the baby ostriches. They, they, they I, one of my favorite things to do was to go into the incubator incubation area where they would hatch the eggs and then take care of the baby ostriches and raise them until they were able to either be sold or go out into the rest of the ranch. And there was one particular ostrich that I loved. His name was George, a terrible name. I don't know why I was so, I had such a lack of creativity in my ostrich naming, you know, ability. But nonetheless, George was his name. And so George and I were best friends. At least I thought I myself to be best friends with him. So I was like, you know what? Every other kid in my school has a dog, has a cat, you know, has a, you know, whatever, you know, it's animal, a bird, a fish. How cool would it be if Sean, you know, Johnson from, you know, from, from Kansas, how cool would it be if, you know, first, second grader, uh, you know, actually lived in Lawrence, Kansas at the time, how cool would it be for him to own a ostrich? I'd be the coolest kid on the block. So, of course, I went to Grandpa, you know, and I said, Grandpa, I have a serious question for you. And, of course, okay, Sean, what's going on? He goes, well, uh, I would like to see, how about, would you, how, how would you be willing to let me take George home with me at the end of the summer? You know, and he could have been real mean. He could, or you know, could be like, "No, Sean, you know, that's silly, that's ridiculous." Or he could have been like, "You know," he so anyway. But he's like, "I tell you what," kind of like the zebra. He says, "If you can convince your mom that uh, so that you can have, that if you convince your mom, that's okay. Then you can take the ostrich with you." 
full well knowing his daughter, Leslie, you know, my mom, wasn't about to have an ostrich in the house. And, of course, you know, what's crazy about it, I look back and I'm thinking, if, if you know, my daughter were to call me with the same question, can I bring an ostrich home? Of course not. I mean, where am I going to put an ostrich, especially when it gets to be full grown, you know, in Kansas. And so, but my mom was really nice. because John, I just really don't think that's a good idea, especially in Kansas. It gets cold in the winter and they're, you know, they're in Africa. They're, they're originally from Africa. You know, it's a lot warmer there. And they just, I don't think you do real, real good. So both my grandpa and my mom let me down real easy. So I accepted the truth. So I just spent the next, you know, several months as well. We were just visiting my grandpa, working on the ranch, earning a little extra money. Um, and that was kind of the cool thing is I, you know, my grandpa was really important to him that, you know, that teaches some responsibility also to get some, you know, have some help around the ranch. Uh, we would do a lot of painting and mowing and, you know, you know, whatever, whatever odd jobs that the, um, that the ranch managers could find for us to do, you know, we were his kids. And we would, every week, uh, we'd get an actual paycheck and go and deposit it into a bank uh, that my grandpa had set up for us. Well, anyway, at the end of the year, uh, I, ended up got, I ended up getting, I think it was around $250, which to me was a huge amount of money. It may not be so much anymore, but back then, that was, man, I, I might as well have won the lottery. And so what did I want to do with my $250? And, you know, I had uh, was sharing a room uh, with my four-year-old brother at the time and, um, you know, which was okay, you know, it was, it, it is what it is, you know, and a nine-year-old, you know, four-year-old, you know, we definitely had our tussles and such, but I wanted also kind of my own space, at least something that, you know, that was mine, you know? And so I talked to my mom and dad and I asked them if I could buy a TV with my money. And so we went to the, we went to the store and I ended up purchasing a Zenith. Now, these the, the TVs, got to admit, this is back in 1988, okay? Some of you probably never even heard of Zenith, the brand. But it was one of the most popular brands of electronics back in the day. And so, uh, it was also, there was it was one of those where it had two dials, like little, little dials on the side of it. Uh, I mean, on the front of it, where you go, tink, tink, tink tink, tink, you know, before that's how you change the channels, which you had to literally go and turn the knobs, these big old heavy knobs to go to the channels. And there was the VHF and the UHF, the VHF had 13 and the UHF had, you know, channels up to 60 or whatever from 14 to 60 and it had money years, the whole enchilada. But to me, it was the greatest, best thing ever. I was able to, uh, I remember because we had the bunny years, bunny years hooked up. So I was able to watch like the local television networks and that kind of gets back to my original point. What I was saying about my news thing is that I remember watching the elections on my new uh, on the television, and that you know, and so, you know, that kind of have you know as I got older, a lot of kids would come home after they do their homework, they would watch Power Rangers or cartoons. Uh, not this guy. Uh, my general th- after I did my you know homework. And I had an afternoon before dinner, and the, my dad got home, and the family kind of did their thing in the evenings. You know, I had an hour or so just to kind of watch whatever I wanted on television. Generally, it was the evening news. <laughs> uh, sometimes Oprah, sometimes Jeopardy, definitely. And this was when I was real little. And that's just kind of what I did. Uh, and so that's kind of just been my my big thing, just I've always had that just that drive to just to watch the news. Well, if you've watched the news at all lately, obviously, um, you can't stop hearing, again, the C word that I told everybody that I would not, 
you know, say, but they can all say it one more time just for sake of those of you who may be just now tuning in for some reason, the coronavirus. So what is the proper response, I believe, that for for us and as 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 a as a civilization as a society how should we respond i mean right now i mean everything is being canceled i mean at the time of this recording uh, they've already canceled the local here with the big 12 tournament uh they the kansas city has declared a state of emergency so any events that had a thousand people or more are completely are, are no longer uh my favorite basketball team the kansas jayhawks Okay, go Rock Chalk Jayhawk. <laughs> um, they were the number one team going into the March Madness NCAA tournament, and they just released a statement that they're pulling themselves out of the tournament for uh, because they are having a travel restriction. So obviously you can't travel to arena to arena because, you know, um, so you obviously can't be in the tournament. You know, and this is among all sorts of things. I mean, there's no toilet paper on the shelves. Uh, there's there's videos of of, cha- of helicopters above Costco's and Sam's Clubs where there are people and you know, <laughs> you know, a whole parking lot deep waiting to get in to get emergency supplies or get whatever. So people are kind of starting. You know, you had your at the very beginning. Most of us were like, "It's no big deal. It's blow over." You know, we have, we 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 deal with the flu every year. You know, what's the big deal about this one? But then now, all of a sudden, when the CDC and the World Health Organization and the president, you know, bans all travel to and from Europe, um, all of a sudden, people are now starting to be like, okay, this may be a big issue. And what's really easy, okay, for this morning, uh, I uh, take my wife to the doctor, and I was waiting in the waiting room. And as while I was waiting in the waiting room, they took three phone calls because uh, I could just kind of overhear the receptionist, three phone calls on what to do in the coronavirus. How do you keep you, how do you prevent it? How do you, you know, just questions about it. And so I'm sure that's happening across clinics and emergency rooms everywhere. You know, I heard of a, of a, of a flight, a United flight that had to divert itself. I think it was a cross-continental flight uh, from New York to LA. I don't know, but it was going over and it had to do an emergency landing in Denver. Because one of the passengers coughed, and the other people that were in the same row were freaking out and wanted demanded to be uh, given a different seat just because the other person coughed. And it caused a big uproar in the cabin, and they had to do an emergency landing. Check it out. Go to Google. Look it up. Look it up. They had to do an emergency landing because someone coughed and people freaked out about it. Now... I even if we were in, in the middle of the Black Plague, some sort of giant pandemic, that is absolutely overreacting. But I think it's just what happens is, is that fear is motivating and controlling people. Rather than controlling the fear, we're letting fear control us. Now, this is not most the majority of people, but it doesn't take that much. It doesn't take that many to really start to. Um, cause some panic, you know, I mean, some influential people, regardless if they mean to or not, can start a wave of, of, um, of just dread and panic and whatever. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why toilet paper is off the shelves. I don't necessarily know how or why that has to do with the coronavirus, but, you know, probably I remember here recently seeing an article, a news article about people all in line to Costco's buying toilet paper. This is when the, you know, all the coverage first started. Uh, but it looked to me like just a normal Saturday afternoon at a warehouse store like Sam's Club. I mean, it wasn't really 
Right? Even looking at people's cars, there wasn't anything typically unusual in, these, in this news report. But they're reporting that toilet paper was going away. So I think what happened was when that started happening, people are like, well, there must be something to this. Maybe we ought to go do that same thing. And now people who really need toilet paper, I mean, I had to go and order my toilet paper online. I hate, like, I don't mind going online and doing shopping for some things, but I shouldn't have to go online to order toilet paper. Uh, but it's the one thing, I guess, that we all need. And, of course, the food shelves are completely full still. So for now, that's, I guess, good thing. Um, on that note, I do recommend, okay, this is just smart in regard, regardless. It doesn't matter if it's a, a pandemic or an epidemic or what. I think that everybody ought to have at least a 72-hour emergency food and water uh, for their house, whether it be a natural disaster like an earthquake or a tornado or a flood. I mean, you know, you just never know what could happen in this life, and it's important to always be sure that you are prepared for whatever is coming your way. So if you haven't done that, I mean, even the, even the government recommends that. I think it's like ready.gov, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, this gives you some tips on how to, you know, what type of things you need to have in your home in case of an emergency. And that's not being, that's not saying the sky is falling or we're in the middle of the zombie apocalypse. That's just being smart. That's just saying, you know what, I don't know what's going to happen in this life. And if for whatever reason I'm stranded in my home, whether it be a power outage or an out disaster or a quarantine because of a pandemic, are we prepared? We're about to find out very quickly that I don't think most people are prepared. Uh, this is why the lines are getting very long. And yes, toilet paper may be gone from the shelves now, but can you imagine when the food starts getting shortage? Um, water, you know, fresh water kind of starts being something of uh, that's not as easily accessible. I think we're far away from that. But regardless, doesn't doesn't it make sense to go ahead and prepare for that now? And if you don't use it now, great. <laughs> but that doesn't. But you still have it in your cupboards, in your garage, or your shelter, or your your storage shed, or your basement. You know, you keep it somewhere cool, dry, and elevated, for that when you do need it, it's going to be there for you, and, and make sure you have enough for your family, and don't forget about your pets. Okay, make sure that Fifi and Fido. That they have enough food, you know, to be able to give give the, to get them through, you know, at least three days. I would say three days up to two weeks, honestly. Especially that's kind of the two weeks is the people who end up developing the 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 the, the COVID nineteen virus. They have to be quarantined for a minimum of two weeks. So, you know, you can't leave. You can't go anywhere. You are stuck, even if you're not showing major symptoms. It, to stop and help for the the spread of the disease. From going for any further, you have to be quarantined, and so uh, in, in various instances, so it's easily transmitted. It's going to be, you know, very well could even go to your spouse, or your children, or people who are in contact with you. Okay, so enough about all that. Let's kind of talk about what we as Christians, what our response should be. I think that again, we I think we've been taught as Christians that fear is a bad word. It's, it's, it's this an F word. It's right. It's a four letter F word. And it's not the one that rhymes with fudge. Okay. It's, it's, um, but I don't believe that. I believe fear is a God given emotion. I think that it's a right. I think it's something that God gave us to protect us. I mean, for, you know, the, the whole thing about, 
you know, if I were to the, live with my daughter when she was younger, if she starts reaching towards the hot stove, I'm obviously going to, and I see it happening. I'm going to be a, my, the, what's going to motivate me to, you know, yell her to stop or to, you know, swat her hand away before she's able to get hurt. What it's going to be my fear, right? That's going to be my motivating factor. If there's no money in my bank account, what motivates me to go and earn more money to be able to pay my bills? Obviously the fear of not having, you know, money in the bank account. So here, that's what I'm saying is it's like we can use fear as a, as a, as a, as a, as to our benefit, or we can let fear paralyze us. And that's what, if you go, remember the scripture that says, I'll go ahead and go there. Uh, let me pull it up here. I think it's uh first Timothy, second Timothy, right. Second Timothy one, seven for God has not given a spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. I think even the NIV uses sound mind is also can be called like self discipline. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and self-discipline, sound mind. In other words, there's a an understanding that fear is where a spirit of fear basically means that it's something that we are latching ourselves onto, where that becomes with the glasses that we see the world through. We see the world through the fear rather than through power, love, and a sound mind. So let's look a little deeper into what the spirit of fear looks like Moreover, um, how we can make sure that we don't become uh, under the control of fear. Um, because I mean, I understand that that again, fear is a natural emotion. It's something that motivates us to to change behaviors, to do you know better, to acknowledge our weaknesses, to enhance our strengths. You know, so I mean, we ought not look at it as something that is a curse, but rather again, God given. But yet, when we are in control, when we don't let the fear be the one that's driving us, that's pushing us, that's showing us our direction, we are let the fear know the direction. Like, we are still in charge because God has given us that power because we trust in Him. He's the one who is leading us to overcome obstacles like fear. But I want to go to Romans chapter 8, verse 12. We're going to read Romans chapter 8, 12 through 17. It says, therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. We don't have an obligation to sin. Contrary to people's belief that I'm going to sin no matter what. I mean, we do have a choice here. Every single choice that we make has consequences, and we can choose to do yes or no and right or wrong, go right or left. Nobody's forcing us to do any kind of sin. We're not obligated to sin. In fact, we are commanded to, you know, be therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is a perfect, which means that we can make right we can make right choices. Uh, and, and we can live a life of unintentional, you know, a sin where we just are living this life completely devoted to making right decisions. But anyway, verse 13. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Okay, again, we're talking spiritually speaking here. The wages of sin is death. In fact, probably in most cases, just sin has a natural recourse of just, uh, well, a lot of people who died early just because of sin, because of hurting God themselves or other people. Uh, and it's just a natural consequence. But if you live according to the Spirit and you and you put away sin, God has promised us is not only a long life, but a life eternal with Him. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, 
but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Now, did you catch that? We do not receive a spirit that makes us a slave again to fear. That is the spirit of fear. When you are a slave to fear, when the fear is your master and you are beholden to it and that your fear controls your uh, your your every single move. And, and that's happening all over the nation right now. People are afraid. And I get it. It's very reasonable, especially if you have loved ones, especially if you have loved ones that are older that are more susceptible to this virus. But that doesn't mean that we need to just, you know, um, I, well, there's two things. Honestly, we don't need to be the kind of people that are just, you know, it's no big deal. It's just the flu. It's just the cold. That's dangerous because we need to understand and recognize that this disease is different. It is novel. It is something that is affecting people on a real day-to-day life life and death matters and basis. But it's also just as dangerous to be as like the sky is falling and I have to hoard all of the things that I need, you know, to take care of my family so that other people can't get them, you know. Guys, just follow the instructions of your leaders. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. You know, sing silly songs while you're washing your hands to make sure that you get all 20 seconds in when you're doing it. Use hand sanitizer if you can find it. Do, you know, yeah, people, a lot of people are upset because they're canceling all of these major events. But honestly, guys, it's just entertainment. It's just sports. And I understand that our society and our pop culture is wrapped up in these big events. But at the end of the day, they don't matter. They really don't. What really matters is health and safety of people and of mankind. And, you know, regardless if it's a hoax or it's a fluke or it's a real deal, this is the life. This is reality. This is what's happening right now outside of your doors. And, And we have to just learn to just roll with it, do the best we can to make sure that we ourselves don't become victims of fear and, and, and anxiety and slaves to really what we don't know. And I think that's kind of part of the problem is that there are so many unknowns with this disease and so many unknowns just in life in general. And I think that's why most people are freaking out so much just because they just don't know. And I I just I think that the more educated we become, the more level-headed we remain, the more compassionate that we are, especially as Christ followers, you know, we, we look to him to be the author and the finisher of our faith, that we understand that God has given us the example of love amongst any circumstance that is thrown our way. We can overcome this and overcome every obstacle that's thrown in front of us. Right now, Christians especially, guys, we got to be the ones that are strong, that are sane, that are you know, that, that are confident in the Lord that he's going to take care of us and that we're going to be okay. The God is at the end of the day, God's in control of everything. Doesn't matter what kind of virus or whatever hits, God's still in control. Um, so here's the thing. I'm gonna go ahead and close, guys, because I think that you know there's a lot to be said. Uh, but honestly, the, the most simple thing that I can say today, and the most real, and and the, the thing that I really want to get across, is that we can't just we can't let fear control us anymore. Um, and that, that just goes in every aspect, you know, just whatever is it is that you may find yourself and I may find myself in situations where I'm just concerned or I'm fearful or I just use that to work for me. I don't work for fear and I don't want you to either use it to use it for your benefit, use it to, to gain and to get better and to, uh, become a better person, to become a more accomplished person, to be motivated, to become stronger and to, 
you know, eliminate the weaknesses and, and to, to use fear against itself to become better. That's really what it's all about. You do that, guys, and I promise we all will get through this together. Don't worry. It'll be over soon. Let's just fight, you know, the, 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 the temptation to overreact and just love one another. Wash your hands. And I promise you guys, we'll see the end of this and we can all look back and just say, you know what? Wow, what a wild time that was. But I'm glad we all made it through out the best we could. So anyway, guys, I love you guys. Have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe out there. God bless you guys. Aloha and mahalo. Mm-hmm.